From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, Forte Real Estate Partners co-founder Steve Brown talks to FNC reporter Brian Johnson. Brown discusses trends, opportunities, and challenges in healthcare real estate. All right. Well, I'm happy to be joined by Steve Brown, founding partner of Forte Real Estate Partners right here in the Twin Cities. You're based here in Bloomington. Is that right, Steve? That is correct. We're in Bloomington and do our work throughout the seven-county metro area. Okay, wonderful. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about some trends you're seeing out there, especially in medical offices. But I wonder if you could start out by just talking a little bit about Forte Real Estate Partners, how long you've been in business, and some of the services you offer. Well, I've been in the business. I'm going on my 38th year. Um my business partner here, uh, one of them, Jim Jetlin, he and I started in a similar capacity with a boutique real estate company back in, would have been 1985. And uh, we both spent a good portion of our career at what became Cushman and Wakefield, started off as United Properties. And uh, in 2014, I think he left to form Excelsior Brokerage. I joined him there in 2017, and then we merged our group, our Excelsior group, with uh, Phil Simonette's company, Paramount Real Estate Services, in 2000, I guess it would have been 21. And our, we basically are a boutique, full-service real estate company focusing on healthcare, industrial, and uh, office. I had our healthcare group. I kind of got into the business 38 years ago. My father was an oncologist and I kind of, I use the term, I got my MBA at the dinner table, listening to him talk about what it was like being a physician. And when I got into the business, the very first, uh, one of the very first medical deal I did was finding him an office. And uh, at that time, the doctor's lounge was very big and a lot of People didn't really do work with physician groups. Um, and I had kind of learned how to speak physician, if you will, with my father. And pretty soon I was getting calls from people he worked with saying, can you help us? And uh, in 2000, I guess would have been 2000, I started a healthcare advisory practice over at Cushman Wakefield and have been doing healthcare exclusively ever since. So. Uh, it's been a, it's been a good move, and it's a very interesting, unique submarket. Uh, when I started, I would tell you there wasn't a lot of people that dealt with it, and it's kind of grown and become its own quote food group within the commercial real estate market. 
And tell us about some of your recent transactions. Some of the you, you've just signed a, some folks up with the leases, and uh, tell us about that. Well, it's been a very interesting run in healthcare uh, for the last few years. I think with the pandemic being mm -hmm. one of them, we've had an enormous amount of, I would say, employee burnout. Mm -hmm. And between that and what's happened in the office market with the work from home situation, you you have an office market that's starting to kind of tip and a healthcare market that has high demand. But the costs, we, we kind of got hit by a tsunami in the most recent real estate deal because you had interest rates that went up, construction costs went up, supply chain went up. And those are three things that have kind of been very constant for the past 10 or 15 years. Um, and the most interesting part about it is that the burnout and the ability to attract employees is a major component of what's affecting healthcare. So I've got clients that want to expand and the cost for new construction is so much higher. They're basically saying, A, I can't afford the rent of what it would cost to do it. And B, and this is one of the most interesting parts, I don't have the capacity staffing wise to do it because there just aren't the A, employees in general, but B, skilled employees that you need within healthcare because many of them are burnt out. So it's been a pretty interesting dynamic. And to the point about the three deals that you mentioned, three or four deals, we've seen a trend as these costs for new construction and healthcare have gone up. Um, clients looking for alternative real estate where they can say, where can I get this more affordably? And in the office market that's tipping, we've had seven or eight contact clients who have chosen to relocate to general office buildings, which has been a win for them because the costs are more in line with what they're used to paying. And they've been a win for the landlord because the landlord has an office market that's starting to deteriorate on them. So it's been a very interesting transition. And I think as this office market continues to find its way through the post-pandemic, we may we will likely see much more of this. Okay. And as how does that how does that transition work when you're looking at, I assume they have certain uh specific needs you're looking at for a typical off uh, medical office facility how does that how does it transition or how do they make that transition to more general office space <laughs> well i'm i'm an old guy here so i'm 38 years in the business and this is not the first time we've seen this trend occur mm -hmm. and i think things that was learned you know i would say i'm going to say back in the late 1990s and the early 2000s where people try to do this is that infrastructure in the physical building for a general office building is very different than for a medical building. A big part of it, plumbing. Second part of it is oftentimes uh, parking capacity because parking requirements, depending upon the type of practice, are different. And so what, what we've seen, and I'll speak from my perspective, as we've gone to the market to look at alternatives that are in the general office category for healthcare clients, we do a little bit of an underwriting that's very different than maybe some people might because we have to make sure it checks certain boxes because if they end up in the wrong building 
that doesn't have good parking or it doesn't have adequate water capacity, or there's a risk that the other tenants may become problematic for their ability to see patients. Um, those are issues that can really be problematic. And so um, and we had one client, Skin Rejuvenation, that had been in a traditional medical office building for the past 17 years. We relocated them to the first floor of a eight-story office building. But the thing that was unique is the building had excellent parking capacity. Uh, it had a separate entrance to the outside. So the general office tenants don't really even necessarily need to interact with them. And it's like their own little building within a building. So it requires a little bit more scratching and looking under the surface, um, but there are definitely opportunities that are, are, are in the general office market. There are some that we've looked at that simply just don't work. And so those are the ones we have to be able to do that kind of audit to say, this could work, this doesn't work. We had a similar situation in cloud with another group where they were in a building that had been taken over by a system and they moved to the first floor of an office building and were able to get building signage and a lot of the things we get. But again, it was almost like their own building within a building. So it's not a one size fits all thing, but with a little creativity you can make it work. If you know how to underwrite the building and, and I would say the other thing is underwriting the landlord as well because the needs uh, and demands on a medical clinic, depending upon the type that they are, um, are very, very different. And I use an analogy, if you have a pediatric practice that's high turn, a lot of people coming in and out of the building, higher use on the bathrooms, um, that could be one thing. And making sure that the landlord understands that, because for us, we might say, well, this building works great, but if the landlord doesn't understand what they're receiving, in this tenant, you could start a marriage of 10 years to 15 years off on the wrong foot. And that's not good for really anybody. Mm -hmm. but we're not only matching what's the tenant, but also who is our landlord and does it work for them as well? And there have been situations in the past where landlords, I would say some landlords have gotten intrigued by the medical concept and the length of the term, but they, they did not know what they were getting into, and it became problematic for both parties. Hmm. Interesting. So what? Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, what attracted you to this line of work. You mentioned your family's background, your father being an oncologist, it's some of the... But as far as just being uh, involved in real estate, uh, what what attracted you to that? Well, I would tell you this. I, I, I played hockey when I was in college, and I played at a place called Colorado College, mm -hmm. which had a very unique program. It had a block program. And the block program, you took one class at a time, and you learned to learn, you learned to learn quickly, and you changed subjects frequently. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a training for what I ended up doing in my career because you're constantly changing from deal to deal and client to client. And I think when I first graduated, I thought I was going to go into advertising. And my mom, she would tell me, you like the commercials more than you like the shows. And I learned very quickly as I started to look at that after I got done playing hockey that I was like, 
I don't have the skills for this. And a friend of mine introduced me to the commercial real estate business and I fell in love with it. And I think part of it for me, and I can say this with pretty much uh, complete honesty, I love what I do. I, I really have never had a day of work where I haven't come in and, and enjoyed what I'm doing. You know, there's stresses, et cetera, but um, it's constantly different. You're solving problems. You're solving problems for people who are providing care for people. And so there's an end product where you can see the result of what you're doing and how it benefits other people, even though, you know, I guess this is my way of living vicariously in healthcare because I'm not able to be a physician. How did you end up at Colorado College? Are you from that area? Or are you did you just uh... oh, I was born and raised here and I played uh, hockey in high school. I was blessed to win a couple of state tournaments and we was recruited and I had a chance to look at different areas. And for whatever reason at the time I fell in love with Colorado. I'd always been I'd always loved Colorado. And uh when I got out there for my tour, it kind of was one of those things where it just felt like, okay, this is home. And uh it worked out great. And after I after I graduated, um I ended up playing two years over in Europe. And uh that was kind of my ski bum years, if you want to look at it that way. And then I came back and have been working since I ever since then when I got back. Yeah, I saw in your bio that you're also interested in skiing. Uh, I, I assume that you got into skiing when you were in Colorado because that sort of makes sense. But well, I, I, I hate to admit this, but I had a friend in seventh grade whose father uh, was a pilot, and he had a number. He had a condominium in Vail, and so starting in seventh grade for spring break. I was able to go out to ski and every year at spring break, I skied while other people were going to Florida or warm places and always love the mountains. And uh, both my daughters went to school in Colorado. One of them still lives there and I have an affliction for the mountains. I love going out there. And so that was, I think, a big draw of how I ended up there for college. And who knows, maybe sometime if I ever retire. Maybe that'll involve a mountain of some type in it. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. So what else are you seeing? What other trends are you seeing out there? And I know you you focus primarily on healthcare, but what else are you seeing out there in the general office market? And kind of what's your outlook um, for that well, sector? Uh, it's very interesting because the work that we, the work that I do in healthcare has kind of involved working with some systems and systems you know, they, while they're healthcare providers, they also have office and in some cases, industrial or warehousing needs. So we kind of are on top of all of those sectors. And the interesting part is in the last five years, I think you've seen land prices go up because of multifamily. So that's had an impact on pricing because a lot of the multifamily sites that you see are high visibility, they're good access. There are sites that share some of the dynamics that a healthcare facility would like to have. Um, so you've seen land costs rising. Um, you have an industrial market that's just been on fire since the pandemic, and they have really caused uh, chaos in in the in, I would say in the healthcare world, primarily from the standpoint of increasing land costs. And we talked about how healthcare is kind of its own food group. You now today have REITs and institutional investors that 
buy healthcare real estate and they like it for the stability, but they, they now want to start to see higher returns. So we've seen shifts in annual increases in base rents. And what a lot of people don't realize is that while the healthcare investor community has really liked the stability of healthcare, those costs just keep going up. And now when you start to take a net rent of maybe $25 or $26 and you increase it at 3%, where for many years uh, that might have been increased at a point and a half, that has a big impact on the occupancy costs for those tenants. And so, you know, part of what's happening in healthcare is healthcare costs are going up. And if you check around anywhere, insurance companies are not paying more for services. So you have these opposing uh, dynamics occurring. And we're starting to see some of that with uh, this convergence of the construction costs and interest rates. And the more interest rates go up, the bigger challenges it becomes. I, I had a, a renewal that I did recently. And it was for me in, in my advisory capacity, one of the worst kind of scenarios that I, I like to be in because I said, you don't really have another option. This is your option if you want to expand. And so for a user that might have been in the past, you know, five, six, seven years ago, they might have been able to have another building being built that they could move to. That really wasn't the case. And they weren't big enough to drive a new building. So um it's it's a dynamic that's going to be between the employment component and the cost for those employees and then the interest rates it's we're still settling out it's going to be a while and that's why i think this office trend that you've seen um there that's going to continue for a while to the extent that those properties make sense well if i own an office building and i, I i'm looking at i would think some of these healthcare uh businesses would be pretty good tenants um let's say i'm thinking do do you, are you approached by building owners who say hey find me a healthcare tenant or yes. how do you how do you uh how does that dynamic work well in our world we do we we focus primarily on representing the users and so if we have a client that's a lease that's coming up um we will say okay let's start your search let's make sure we're starting well in advance they have a chance to evaluate the market appropriately. Um, to the point from the landlords, the landlords know that we are healthcare specialists. So we get emails and correspondence and we look at my building. And I've been involved in probably, I would say, four or five evaluations for potential owners or owners of buildings that said, would this be a logical conversion? And the, that's where we kind of go through that analysis I was telling you earlier, where it's like, well, do you have enough parking? Do you have visibility? What are, what's the infrastructure? How would you have to upgrade this? And some owners are willing to do it. Some others, some are not. But to your point, the, the one of the desirable aspects of a healthcare tenant is because the improvements tend to be more expensive, they don't tend to move around a lot. And the lease terms tend to be longer. So if they do a good job and they take care of their tenant, they're going to be a tenant long-term. And so... Um, I think we we're we're starting to see more and more of that, and the more interest rates continue to go up, we're going to see less new development, and the more of that occurs, we're going to see more of this discussion. In my mind, it's going to be a repositioning. I, I'm a member of the ULI Minnesota Market Council, and 
We had a meeting uh, two and a half weeks ago, and one of the topics was about multifamily and affordable housing and talking about not only here, but in other major markets, the fact that you've got office buildings that might be going back to a lender or experiencing large vacancies, even the repositioning of office buildings into multifamily. And that's that's a similar trend in that you're making a major conversion. It's even more so than a going from office to medical because you have to make sure you have the right pieces and parts and things that, that can be modified. And then the question becomes, what's the cost to do it and what are the rents going to be? And so we, we have a really, in my opinion, a very unique dynamic in the marketplace right now that's not just a singular factor. And, um, you know, in the healthcare side of it, we've all heard in the past about traveling nurses and traveling nurses have become a more and more important component because they are filling the void where hospitals do not have staffing capacity or nursing capacity. And part of that dilemma feeds back all the way to education. Like, well, who wants to get into nursing right now? And are they going to be able to make enough money and are they going to be in an environment that's got such heavy burnout that they don't want to go down that path and so there's some there's some uh some challenging issues that the healthcare industry has to face um that are going to trickle down to whether it's a pra private practice side or a hospital system side and they're kind of being felt all over do you see the construction part coming back anytime soon as far as for somebody who really wants just to find a piece of land and build their own uh, building? Is that uh, we talked about the costs and so forth. Um, do you see that coming back? Do you see prices starting to moderate anytime soon or what's your read on that? What we're seeing is everybody's kind of watching the market and um, I think construction supply chain has settled a, a bit. Um, construction costs have settled a bit. Um, interest rates are a big factor. Staffing is a big factor. I'll go back to my example of this client I have. He is a they're they're a very successful group. They have they have grown fivefold in the last ten years as far as the number of physicians that they have. And they want to grow. They want other facilities, but the cost between those four or five items is just prohibitive. And so I see that coming when we start getting some more employees back into the fold and in, in interest rates dropping, because I think the interest rates are a big, they're a big void right now. They're, they're blocking a lot of stuff from being done. And even projects that I think, you know, if you watch what happened as the rates started to go, grow, go up, I want to say it was the, the fastest interest rate increase in modern history. Uh, and it really stopped a lot of development that was planned or in place or ready to go. And, you know, I hope that it will correct itself, but we're not correcting just one component. And, and I think the other thing I would add to that is that when you talk about healthcare, unlike an office deal, which can happen fairly quickly, the process, the, um, the gestation process to evaluate, plan, execute a move is longer. And now that has only been extended because of some of the supply chain issues. So part of that is you might have a client who's saying, yeah, I got plenty of time. 
And we're saying, no, you don't have plenty of time. You're actually behind right now. And so re-educating the client as to what they really need to be focused on and when has become a bigger and bigger issue. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating stuff. A lot of different layers to this. Uh, what else are you working on these days? Well, we're, you know, the interesting part is surprisingly, there are organizations that within this environment are also using it as an opportunity to strategically plan for the future. And we have been involved in some strategic uh, site acquisitions related to broader, longer term master planning uh, scenarios. And that, again, is a scenario where you're, you're really looking down the field and it takes some time to do it. And it's actually an ideal time for some because it's not day-to-day cash. Oh, hang on a minute here. Um, so it's not day-to-day cash uh, flow. Uh, it's more uh, planning for the future and thinking, where do we want to be in the next five or 10 years? Mm-hmm. That's some of the stuff that we're doing. We're, we're very busy doing what I would classify as non-traditional work. And, and I feel blessed that we're doing it because the regular transactions just, excuse me, aren't, aren't, aren't occurring the same way as they were before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, great, Steve. Any other parting thoughts before I let you go? Well, I, I would say I don't know that I have. Um, I don't want my comments to sound like they're negative because I think we're making a lot of progress and we have a very strong healthcare system, particularly here in the Twin Cities. And uh, I'm, you know, this is, I think, my fifth or sixth cycle that I've been through. It's a, it's a different type of cycle than I was involved with before. I've been involved with before. And there's great people that are committed to making sure that people in our country get good health care. And we're going to find our way through this. I'm not concerned about that. Um, it's just a different market. And as people will say, in every market, there is an opportunity um to, to there's an opportunity and you just have to figure out how to find it and as a former partner of mine once told me he said the key is to be able to look around the corner about what's coming next and i think that's mm-hmm. kind of the state that we're in right now is figuring out what's going to be next and part of that's what's going to be next in healthcare what's going to be next in office um even the retail situation is a very different world we've all gotten used to a different dynamic thanks to amazon and how that's going to change things, whether it's short-term or long-term. Um, and going back to your question about getting into this business, that's part of what I love about it because we get to deal with stuff that's not stagnant or boring. It's constantly changing. So I'm optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Never, never a dull moment. And um, I'm th- sure that things have changed a lot since you started out in 1985. So you've been down that road before. Right. We've seen cycles that have come full circle. And to my, you asked the question about our company. It's, I started out in a boutique company, which was acquired and merged into a larger group. And then I worked for what became Cushman and Wakefield, which was one of the largest platforms in the country. And I'm back in a boutique because that's really kind of the world I feel most, uh, most at home in. All right. Well, good luck to you, Steve. 
I wish you continued success and uh, hope we can connect again sometime. Thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Have a good day. You too.